0: This is the Calvary Bible Church Podcast. Thanks for listening in today. We're praying this message encourages you. Learn more about Calvary and join us online each Sunday for services at calvarybible.com. What troubles you the most today? Probably something that keeps you awake at night or wakes you up in the morning or brings this unnecessary worry in the afternoon. What is it for you? Is it something about the current economic crisis? Is it a political sense? Is it a family issue, friendship, how you've been wounded, schools, work? It's a lot of things, potentially. What if someone told you they had an answer, at least a direction that would build your confidence up that would allow you to go through these troubling times? Would you be interested in hearing their answer? What if their answer was rather exclusive? It wasn't one answer amongst many. It was really only one way to get out of these troubling times. Would you still be interested? I would imagine if you're like most of us, you would be. It doesn't matter if there's 10 answers or just one answer. If there's something that can help me in the midst of trouble, I would be interested in hearing it. With that in mind, I wanna go to another I am statement of Jesus. This is found in John chapter 14. It's probably one of his most notable I am statements that's rather exclusive. And he's giving it to his disciples in probably one of their most troubling times as they have been following Jesus. So if you got your Bible, would you open it with me? I've got mine here, I love my Bible. We wanna open it together and just see if we can gravitate towards the words that Jesus gives his disciples for their confidence in their trouble that we might find our confidence in our trouble. John 14, Jesus simply says this, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. So he's speaking to his disciples, his inner group, those who have been following him for years. And something has caused a troubling situation. Now, to set the scene, this is the Passion Week. This is the night before he is arrested and soon to be crucified. He has shared a meal with his disciples and he has spoken several things to them. Three things in particular have caused a situation, a troubling situation. So let's look back at chapter 13, verse 21. Jesus talking to his disciples says these things. Jesus was troubled in his own spirit and testified, truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. So just imagine you're at a group event of the closest followers, most devout disciples with Jesus. And Jesus looks at your group and says, there's someone here eating with us that will stab me in the back. That's gonna turn me over. And you begin to think, well, obviously it's not me. So who is it? And you look around and you think, well, maybe it's him. I always suspected it would be him. But you're uncertain who would betray Jesus. But Jesus just said, one of you will betray me. Then look down at verse 33. He says, little children, yet a little while I am with you, you will seek me. And just as I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. So you cannot come away with me. I am leaving. Jesus, who you have followed, who you have really given your life up for, says now at this point, I'm going away and you cannot come. So one of you is going to betray me. All of you can't go with me. And then Peter, who is usually the most outspoken of the group, stands up and says, I will go with you. I have great courage and passion. You've seen the things that I've done. You've heard the things that I've said. I will go with you. I will lay my life down for you. And Jesus says to Peter, one of the closest disciples amongst all of you, in verse 36, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times, that you're going to deny me, Peter. That is kind of sets the scene of what has caused this troubling circumstance. It's Passion Week, right before Passover, Jesus has been talking about his own death and there to his closest followers, he tells them, one of you will deny me, you cannot come with me. And Peter, or Judas, you'll betray me. You cannot come with me. And Peter, you will deny me. You can see why their hearts are troubled. And then Jesus just speaks this to them. I know the things that I've said could cause trouble, but do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This is this profound I am statement. And it's given to the disciples in one of their most troubling days to give them confidence to settle their hearts down, to know that Jesus is still in control. Do not let your hearts be troubled, though Someone will betray me, though you cannot come with me, though Peter, you will deny me. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. For I am, Jesus says, the way, the truth, and the life. Now, this is one of those exclusive claims that people say, this is my problem with Christianity, is its exclusivity through Jesus. That he's saying, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. This is the exclusive claim that he's not just simply a way amongst many. He's not just a truth in the generalities of it. He's not simply a life. He is exclusively the way, the truth, and the life. Now we get to it in the beginning. Let's just like break each one of these down. This is his statement. This is his claim. Let's put some meat on the bones. I am the way. And we say, well, Jesus can't be the way. He has to be a way amongst many but we don't agree on the way because the world doesn't agree on its destination. You think this great lie that's been given, maybe you're in high school or college and you've heard one of your professors say this, that essentially all religions are the same. And because they're all essentially the same, we can dismiss them all collectively together. But that's not true at all. When you start looking at the claims of each major faith, you start seeing that we don't agree on most of anything. And one of the things they don't agree on is the destination. And so obviously we're going to disagree on the way. Imagine if a group of us are getting together and I say, hey, you want to have lunch together? And we say, yeah, let's meet up for lunch. And then you run over to Chipotle. Someone goes over to Mod Pizza. Someone heads over to get some sushi. Other persons go get some tacos or burritos. And then obviously I'm going to go to the local gas station because where else do you get a roly hot dog and some chips? And then we all get there and we call each other and say, where are you? I thought we said, we're gonna have lunch. Well, yeah, I'm at Chipotle. I, I'm at Mod Pizza. Because we didn't agree on the destination, we didn't agree on the way to it. That's how the world religions are. So think, think about the popular world religions today. Take the world religion of atheism. If you would ascribe to that faith system, what is the destination that it's driving towards? Well, it's, we didn't come from anything and we're not really going to anywhere. So the destination is simply to decay into nothing. Now that's distinctly different than if you were a, I mean, a Hindu. And the destination is that we would be reincarnated over and over and over again, based on how we lived either up or down in the food chain, so to speak. Or if you're a Buddhist, well, it's not reincarnation. It's the goal is that we would eventually dissolve. We would leave our individual personhood and we would dissolve within creation. We would really dissolve into like really nothingness. Then you have the Muslims in the paradise. You have the Mormon thoughts of becoming their own God themselves. What is the destination of Christianity? What is the destination we see here in Jesus? The destination is to be with the Father. This is so distinctly different. The destination is to come to the Father in his house. Think about this, that God has a house with many dwelling rooms. And he is inviting anyone who would believe through his son to come into his home, to live with him in relationship. Therefore, heaven, if you think about it, is not about getting my mansion and getting my real estate and getting my treasures. Heaven is to come into right relationship with the father in his house. And because we are going to his house, we cannot go our way. Just like I can't go my way into your home, nor can you go any way you want into mine. We must be invited into one another's houses. So you must prepare the way for me to come to your house as similar I would have to prepare the way for you to come into mine. And we cannot go our way into another's house, the father's house either. And so this is exactly what Jesus is challenging. This is why we get so frustrated is, Jesus can't be the way because then I can't have my way. I can't choose my way. And that's exactly right. Remember Jesus, his words to his disciples, verse 33 of 13, little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me. And just as I said to the Jews, you now, I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. Where I am going, you cannot come my way. He said, this, I said this to the Jews earlier. That's a reference to John chapter eight. We flip back over to John chapter eight, verse 21. He's in this conversation with the Jews about him coming from the father and him belonging to the father and him going to the father. And he simply says to the Jewish believers. So he said to them again, I am going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. That's my way, Jesus says. To the religious leaders of the day. And in verse 24, it's so clear why I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. What's their way? Their way is through religious practice, legal adherence, works of the law. I will work my way. I will earn my way. I will deserve my way to be with the father. And Jesus says, no, you don't get to go your way through religious practices. You come through me or you die in your sins. That is an audacious statement. Now, what's so troubling, if you go back to John 14, is that that statement he gives to the Jews, here in verse 33, he says to his disciples, so now I also say to you, you cannot come where I'm going. Now that's troubling because you're going, hold on, okay, I get why you say it to the Jews, because they're trying to do this through religious practice and keeping the law. But we are your disciples. We believe in you. We follow you. How could you say that to us? We're your inner circle. Surely you don't mean us. And what we see here is a great example from Peter of that we are trying to add Jesus to our life. And through our own strength, through our own way, we will go with him. So look at verse 36. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me. And then he clarifies, now. You can't come now, but you will follow afterwards. Jesus is going somewhere, doing something that Peter cannot come along with now, but afterwards he can come. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. So here's the enthusiasm of Peter, where he's, he is passionate. We don't, dis, we don't doubt that. I mean, we see his passion. We see his courage. Shortly, Jesus will be arrested by all of these soldiers. And, and Peter's the one that pulls out his sword. Like, he's not messing with words. And he chops off one of the soldier's ears. Remember? So he's serious about this. But what is Peter's way? That I will go with you. I'm strong enough to go with you, Jesus. What ends up happening with Peter and happens with many of us is we overestimate our faithfulness and we underestimate our need. We overestimate our loyalty to God, that we will really follow him. I mean, really all we need from Jesus is really just to open the door, so to speak, and we can come in. And we underestimate our desperate total need that Jesus is gonna have to carry us to his father's house. We don't have the strength to go with him there. He must bring us there. And so what we learn about this now and then is that we cannot go to the father's house until Jesus first goes to the grave. What he's speaking about here and not allowing Peter to go with him is that before he goes to the father's house, he's from the father's house, he's going to the father's house. He's on a rescue mission to save sinners like me. And first he will go to the death, to the grave as a consequence for our sins. He will experience separation from the father, what we should have experienced. But he will not remain in the grave. He will rise from the grave in victory over death. He'll be the first fruits of new life. And because he conquers the grave, he makes a way possible. That's why when Thomas says, we don't know the way and Jesus looks at him and says, I am the way. I'm going to the grave and then back to life because there is not a way for you to come to the Father until I make the bridge. You cross from where you are to the house of the Father through me. That's why no one comes to the Father except through me. It's why I don't go my own way. It's the reason I can't go until Jesus goes to the grave. It's why I cannot overestimate my faithfulness and strength and must rely on His. Now, the second point of this is that Jesus says, not only am I the way, but I'm gonna be truthful with you. I'm gonna be the truth teller. I'm the truth as well. There's not a way that's hidden. I'm gonna tell you explicitly where the way can be found, how to come to me, how to believe in me, how to receive the grace that I offer. Jesus is the truth teller. And what's interesting here is that he actually tells the disciples all of these things before they come to pass, so that they would trust him, that they would believe in him. Check out verse 19 of chapter 13. Before he talks about their denial, before he talks about their betrayal, before he talks about these hardships of going to the cross alone, he says this in verse 19. I'm telling you this now, before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am he. Meaning, you, don't, you haven't seen this yet? but I want you to trust me. I want you to know that when I speak about things, they are true. And so I'm gonna tell you them before any of them happen so that when you see them start to happen, you would believe that I am He. If you have an NIV translation? It makes it really clear here. That you would believe that I am who I am. These are the I am statements that connect him, his divinity to God himself. That you would believe that I am the one before Abraham. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. And I'm telling you this now. So when you see them happen, you would know that I told you the truth and you would believe. Now in our society today, we really care about truth, but we don't use the word truth. We use the word facts. The reason we use facts by instead of truth is because we just spent a few decades saying truth was relative until we realized, no, it's not. And in fact, when people start making false claims, we call them fake news or fake facts or alternate realities. And so we use the word facts. But when someone makes a statement, we say, let's let's fact check that. The reason we fact check it is because we want to know if it's true Is it true? And here Jesus is saying, okay, so that you know that I am the truth, that I speak the truth, that you would believe in me. I'm going to give you these before they happen so that you can fact check them true. Let's look at one so we can build our faith on Jesus's truth. One is I would look at is is Peter himself. This whole setup, there's two truth claims happening. Peter says, I will not deny you. I'm gonna die for you. That's a truth claim. Is Peter telling the truth? Because Jesus says, you're gonna deny me three times before the rooster crows. Someone is not telling the truth. Well, let's look at how that played out. So Jesus tells Peter, before the rooster crows, you're gonna deny me three times. Let's just set yourself up in this situation. This is one of those things I talked to my dad about, about the trustworthiness of God, the sovereignty of God. And you see this whole situation unfold where Peter is set up, to see that God is telling him the truth, even when it's hard to hear it. So first he says, okay, before the rooster crows, meaning, okay, I'm not gonna just say, you're gonna do something sometime in the future. And in 15 years from now, 20 years from now, you go, oh man, I forgot. That's right, Jesus said, oh, bummer. No, he says, okay, it's evening. This is gonna be happening before the sun rises in a few hours. And so he limits the time so that Peter can keep this top of mind. He doesn't forget, it's crystal clear. And then he says, you're gonna do something that you would never believe yourself to do. It's repulsive to you. It's not as though it's like, hey, before morning you're gonna stub your toe three times. You're like, well, did that one count? Did the next one count? No, this is actually something in a limited time frame." that would repulse Peter to do? Think of it this way. Think of our good friend, JP. If you don't know JP, JP's on staff. He's one of the staff members that makes this whole online preaching happen. JP happens to be a vegan. He doesn't eat meat. Imagine if I said to JP, not in some time in the future, but in the next few hours, you're going to eat a steak. And I'm talking like, oh man, there's some chicken broth in some of the rice you ate. I'm talking, you're going to eat a steak. J.P. would say, I'm not going to eat a steak. And then to double down on it, Jesus says to him, no, you're going to do it three times. Not that you just going to fall into it one time and go, oh my goodness, how could I do that that one time? you are going to do it three times. Not two times like, oh man, I did it once, but I'm not doing that again. No, three times. And by the time you get to the second time, you say, I'm not going to do that a third time. No way, I am going to not do this. I'm going to sit right here by the fire and not talk to anybody. And then you do it the third time and the rooster crows. And what you immediately realize is that Jesus was telling you the truth. See, this is lab tested, fact-checked, verified. Jesus is the truth. Just one example, that Jesus is willing because of his love for you to tell you the truth. He is true truth. When Jesus stands before Pilate, this is John chapter 17. He stands before Pilate and Pilate is just so inquisitive of who this Jesus is and what he's doing here. Verse 37, then Pilate said to him, so you are a king. After Jesus says, okay, I'm a king, but not of this world. And then Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. For this purpose, I was born. For this purpose, I have come into the world. What would you think that the purpose of his birth is? The purpose of him coming into the world. What is that? To love people, heal people, save people. Yeah. In Jesus' own words, the reason I'm here, the reason I was born, is to bear witness to the truth. I have come to be the truth teller of who you are, of who God is, of what this world is all about, of where this world is going. I'm gonna tell you the truth about everything. And then he says, everyone who is on who is of the truth, listens to my voice. And Pilate, like a good postmodern says, oh man, what is truth? She says, I'm truth. Truth is real, it has a name, it is Jesus. And he loves you so much that he's willing to tell you the truth about who you are, about your need, about his grace, about his father's house. I don't know what your trouble is today, but Jesus would love to speak truth into it. He'll tell you the truth about what it means to be a man. He'll tell you the truth of what it means to be a woman. He'll tell you the truth of what it means to be a person of justice, of reconciliation. He'll tell you the truth of what it means to grow in generosity. He'll tell you the truth. And in his own words, that truth will set you free. Sets you free. All the truth in life is Jesus's truth. As Augustine said, where I found truth, there I found my God. Who is the truth itself. It's true truth. It cannot become purer than what Jesus is gonna tell you. The world can deceive you. Culture can mislead you. The devil will probably just straight up lie to you. Jesus will tell you the truth. And it will set you free and bring you to life. That's the last point, that he is the life. Look at John chapter 14. All of this is so that though they can't follow him now, he will come back from the grave, defeating death, paying the penalty for sin so that you can go with him later to his father's house. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I, have, I would have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? I go to prepare a place for you. I will come again and I will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. Where's Jesus going? Father's house, that's life. When you hear the words father's house and John's used this before, Jesus has used this before speaking of his father's house. The Old Testament has spoken before about the house of God. What comes to your mind? It's the temple, right? My father's house is the house of prayer. It's the temple itself. And what happened at the temple? It's where God met with man. It's where heaven met with earth. It was the life-giving center of the two in relationship. And as one author put it, this is the most inclusive, exclusive claim. That all our are available to come into the Father's house if they come through Jesus. There are many rooms. There's a room for you. There's a room for your family. There's a room for your whole community. There's a room for everyone in the world if they would come through the way, the truth and life of Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus is life. It's not that we add Jesus to our life. It's that we surrender our life to him. We tuck our life into his. Look what Jesus says here in John chapter 14, second part of 19, because I live, you also will live. We live not because we kept the religious practices, not because of our own strength to go with Jesus, it's because we surrendered, we repented, and we gave our life to him and he received us into his. And because Jesus lives, I live, for he is life. What is your greatest trouble today? What keeps you up at night, wakes you up in the morning? What brings worry in the afternoon? These are the words that Jesus gave to the disciples in their most troubling day. These are the words that God wants to give you in yours. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. And if he is the one that has made a way through death, and he is the true truth, and he is life itself, can he not show you the way forward in your current troubles? Can he not reveal to you the true next steps that you are to take? that you would increasingly find more and more freedom and find yourself living deeper and deeper into true, real life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you have sent your Son, that we would know you, that a way would be made through death, through sin, through separation, to bring us back to the Father, I thank you that you are so generous to to open up your home to us, that we would come and find rest in your home, that we would come and find relationship in your home, that we would come and find joy and life in your home with you. And so, Father, I just pray that these words of Jesus would speak to everyone who is in a troubling situation, that they would be the confidence they need, the answer of the way the truth, and the life that they long for to be found in Christ alone. It's in his name we pray, amen.